millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Andy J Podcast. Hello and welcome to the very latest episode of the Andy J Podcast. I hope you are having a good week and are on top form. I'm delighted to be able to tell you my guest today is the remarkable 2009 Formula One world champion, Jensen Button. Now, F1 fans, of course, you're going to love this because he's an F1 legend. But if you're not into motorsport at all, if you don't like cars, if you don't like racing, worry not. This is mostly about Jensen's life. In fact, he was incredibly open. We talk about life, fatherhood, loss, vasectomies, everything. He's very engaging and hugely entertaining company. And I must say, we the, the time just flew by. We had such a laugh together. I really, really enjoyed his company. I can tell you, if you love your cars, then I have a longer chat with Jensen that's nothing to do with today's show. But Jensen has teamed up with some guys. He now lives in L.A. And he's teamed up with Ant Anstead from The Love of Cars and Wheeler Dealers, the mechanic, and a car designer, British car designer called Mark Stubbs. All three of them, so a driver, a mechanic and a designer, are all now living in L.A. And anyway, they've teamed up together and they've started a new business. You can hear all about that over on the Driven Chat podcast. That came out yesterday, the Driven Chat podcast. So if you'd like to hear more from Jensen and what he's currently up to, we touch on it very, very briefly and literally 20 seconds in this interview. So if you'd like a detailed chat about the Radford lads and what they're doing, that's over on the Driven Chat podcast. And if cars are your thing... Driven Chat radio show is now coming at you as live from Caffeine and Machine from the Driven Chat truck every Sunday at 7 o'clock on Talk Radio. Do check it out. Anyway, let's dive straight in with the man, the myth, the legend, Jensen Button. The Andy J Podcast. Well, I am very pleased to welcome to the show my next guest, a man who has won more races than I've had hot cups of tea. And of course, he is the 2009 Formula One world champion, the one and only Jensen Button. How are you doing, Jensen? I'm really good. Thank you very much. And here in sunny California. Coming at us from glorious California. Yeah. I mean, how is it out there? How's the pandemic been out there? I mean, I think it's been the same for pretty much all of us um, in terms of very restrictive, um, but uh, yeah, we. I think we've had a little bit more freedom than, than in the UK, from what my mum's been telling me. Um, so we are allowed out. Um, I think you guys are now as well. Yeah. Um, but it's mandatory masks everywhere we go. Um, inside restaurants, I think, have just opened up. So uh, yeah, it's starting to, to feel a bit more normal, which is good. Um, a lot of people getting the vaccine. Not as not as not as many as in the UK, though. It's fantastic to see so many uh, so many people that have been vaccinated that want to get vaccinated yeah we've been leading the charge out out here which is which is really fun how's it been because obviously here now now the world is turning a little bit more and we're allowed in pub gardens and have food outdoors and this that and the other which is which is 
a tonic when it has been deprived for so long. But we've obviously looked with envious eyes at other countries and other nations and sort of thought, cool, they're doing things a bit differently. How much movement has been allowed over the last few months? Because we were very locked down for a, for a period of time, which I don't think California quite had. No, we weren't locked down at all. I mean, there was no point where we had to stay inside. Um, they would recommend it, but um, land of the free, um, you know, they, they, they can't make you stay at home. Um, but, um, you know, as, as far as I know, all of, all of my friends here were, were very good in terms of not um, spending time with other households and what have you. Um, people are still working. It's funny, actually, when it, when it, uh, when it first started and, and everyone was staying in, you know, the first couple of months, because they really didn't know where this was going to go, the pandemic, all you saw on the road was pickup trucks because really? the pickup trucks, you know, the guys had to still work. They had to still earn money to put food on the table. And it was just, the roads were just littered with, with little Toyota um, pickup trucks from all the workers working on, on properties. Yeah, of course. Well, do you know what? It's, it's a shame. I know you've obviously got a lovely life over there, but it's a shame you weren't here for the pandemic because you could have joined the club because you would qualify for it, Jensen, because you have what I consider to have been a very productive uh, lockdown, as we call it here, because you produced a new human during the lockdown period. I did, but I'm probably not the only person. It's amazing. I keep, I keep having friends call me and say, just so you know, we are pregnant. And it's like, well, really, that's a surprise. Um, so, no, there's, there's uh, yeah, we, we have a new little human. We have two little humans, to be fair, a 22-month-old and a four-month-old. So very close in age. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, life suddenly got a lot busier. No one told me that when you have the second baby, suddenly the dad is really busy. Um, <laughs> so, no, it's, uh, it's been, I mean, you've got to take positives from it, from, from what we've all been going through. And, and the positives are I get to spend more time with the family, which has been great. But over the last few months, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been announcing lots of different things that I'm doing, plans and partnerships and ambassadorial roles. So it's it's been really busy and uh, exciting for the future, definitely. And, uh, you know, a lot of them I had to pass with the missus, to, you know, to make sure that I could have that time away from home. Yeah, do you have the, because I'm like you, I, I've just had another new baby as well. We now have three kids and, and just like you, I've got the whole, oh, wow, the house is so noisy and busy and crikey. There's literally no sanctuary anywhere, but it's great. But similarly, you know, having to leave the house now, I, oh, the tug of the heartstrings. And you've got so much on taking you to so many different places. Are you like emotionally, is it a bit of a pull now? It's it's definitely tough. The the kind of the first day away is probably the worst. And when you walk out the front door, because I, you know, my oldest Hendrix is 22 months, but he still knows. He still gets a feeling of when you're, you have a bag and walking out the front door. So that's the worst moment. Um, and also he, you know, FaceTime is great because it means that you can see your kids and, uh, and, and whoever you're missing, you can, you can FaceTime, which is great. Um, I can't imagine traveling, you know, 20, 30 years ago, when you didn't have that. So you're really going to miss your family. And, the problem is that our son doesn't like FaceTime now. Um, he's, he's, he's like he's angry that Daddy's in the phone and he's not in the house. So it's kind of not working. So when I'm away and I FaceTime him, he gets upset, and that's it's heartbreaking. And then you really miss him. So yeah, hopefully soon he's going to 
he's going to understand a bit more and understand I'm coming home. I'm going to get out of the phone and come see him. <laughs> Actually, the dad guilt's just get worse, Jensen, I'm afraid. It just, oh, okay, it just gets tougher. It gets tougher and you become so much more invested. And it's Anyway, but there we go. Such is life. You've got that to look forward to. It's a beautiful thing. You've mentioned just how busy you have been. I'd love to circle back to talk F1 shortly. And of course, you are now a pundit for, for Sky as one of your many things. But, but one of your new activities is Extreme E, where you've not only taken on your own team, you've also decided to get behind the wheel and, and, and have a blast in it. Tell me about it. What's, what's it all about? Probably the biggest mistake I've made in my life is deciding to, to race an off-road against the likes of Sebastian Loeb, Christopherson, a multiple rallycross world champion, a Dakar specialist and rally world champion in sight. I mean, the list goes on. I thought, oh, I'll be all right. I'll get used to it pretty quickly. But no, they are destroying me at the moment. We had the first race in Saudi. And uh, yeah, I got absolutely destroyed. But I learned a lot. That's the main thing. But um, no, it's, it's, I think it's a great category. And, and in terms of who's involved, teams, um, you know, you've got... Um, XF1 drivers and world champions in Nico Rosberg and obviously Lewis Hamilton. Um, you've also got great teams like Ganassi Racing, yeah. um, United um, Autosport Racing. You've got, um, I mean, there are so many great teams that are racing in this category. And then the driver lineup is is unreal. It's, it's unprecedented. You've never had drivers from, um, the best drivers from America racing against rally world champions, racing against Dakar drivers, rally cross. It is the best of the best. And then there's me. So I've never raced really on dirt. It's always been on this this this, this asphalt kind of stuff, which is quite different. Um, but um, so the racing is great. The, the the reason for the category is fantastic as well. It's, it's bringing awareness to the five different areas we're racing around the world. <clears throat> Next up is, uh, is Dakar and Senegal. And then we have Greenland. Um, we have Brazil and we have Argentina, which is Patagonia, which is going to be fantastic. So it's bringing, it, bringing awareness to these areas that are really being hurt by climate change. <clears throat> the bit that for me is the most exciting is that we have um, we have scientists on, on the ship, so the cars travel on the ship. Mm. I know it's not electric yet, but you know the point is to bring awareness so that we can make bigger change. Um, so the scientists will be at those locations, studying those locations. It's a much cheaper way for them to understand what's wrong, how we can improve it, and um, and. and and put the message out there, um, which is great. One thing as well with the cars, they're electric. Four-wheel drive, 550 horsepower, they are monsters, and they're really, really difficult to drive because they're quite short wheelbase as well. Um, so that's tough. Um, but people are saying, well, you know, it's it's an electric car, but it, you must charge it with a, a diesel generator. So that, how does that work? So, no, it gets charged by a hydrogen cell generator. Okay. So there's new technologies that are being, um, you know, uh, are really working together, you know, with hydrogen and with, with, uh, with electric. And, and it's new technologies that are, are definitely forming the future of road cars um, and, and probably racing cars as well. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, and I, I like that you've raised the point about it raising awareness, because it's one of the things that people have have scratched their heads a little bit over. Well, hang on, you're going to these super remote places that are kind of endangered, etc. And racing <coughs> on them, how is that helping the environment? There must be more to it than just telling people about these different areas and what global warming is doing, presumably. Yeah, definitely. And uh, well, it's, a big part of it is for the, for the scientists to understand what is wrong and how we can improve it because I still don't think we, we, we truly understand. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. And and from a racing perspective, you've mentioned two former F1 colleagues of yours in Nico Rosberg and uh, Lewis Hamilton. Now, Lewis obviously owns one of the teams, but hasn't been on site for obvious reasons. He's been busy behind the wheel elsewhere. Nico, on the other hand, has no real excuse to not get behind the wheel, does he? I mean, why isn't he racing? Because he knows that the, his driver's better than him. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm kind of thinking that he was in, he was very clever in understanding that uh, Christopherson is better than him. And uh, maybe I should have thought, thought of the same. Uh, but um, no, it's a great experience. The problem is it's so limited in terms of the the, the testing. So, you know, I've, I've, I've hardly driven the car and, and, the, and, the, and the races are really short as well. So you don't really learn too much. So yeah, it's it's tough, and it's going to take me a while to really get up to speed. But you've clearly still got the racing bug, though, Jensen. I mean, you've had sort of multiple opportunities because you've got so busy with other things. You've had multiple opportunities to go. Oh, do you know what? Oh, I'll just do a Nico. I'm fine. I, I've got plenty happening. But instead, you know, I mean, you you guested in British GT <laughs> last year just for a giggle. You clearly still love the rush of the race. Yeah, I do, and you know the. My aim is still to do Le Mans over the next couple of years. Um, you know, when I, I, I did Le Mans back in 2018, and the reason why I did it was not because I thought we'd win, because we were, we wouldn't, you know, we're a private team really up against Toyota. It was more to get the experience for when more manufacturers got involved in, in Le Mans again in the top category, top tier. So now that's happening. There are so many manufacturers getting involved in, uh, in the LMDH, LMH category. Uh, for 2023, so that's that's really the year that I want to be racing at Le Mans. So the dream would be to to do some races here in the states um, next year in IMSA, um, just to you know to 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 get a bit more experience again of racing with these endurance cars, um, and uh, and then Le Mans in 2023. Yeah, there's something magic about Le Mans, and you've only done it once before, which is I thought you'd yeah been a veteran. No, obviously not. Uh, Jensen, we, we love to kind of get under the skin a little bit of our, of our guests on this show. And, and I'd like to just kind of throw back a little bit to your childhood just to see kind of how it's shaped you as, as the man you are today. Am I right in saying you had you, you had three elder sisters? Yeah, I have three three older sisters, yeah. So is that were they yeah. into motorsport as well? As was was you kind of getting into cars, rebelling against being, you know, the only lad? What was the what was the kind of mantra there? No, they used to dress me up like a girl. I can tell you that. <laughs> and I think it was because I, I used to annoy them because I used to steal their boyfriends away and play computer games with them. So uh, that's why that was them getting back, um, taking pictures of me dressed up as a girl. So, yeah, fantastic. I still have one. Yeah. Um, but, no, I think I was very lucky to grow up with a household of, of, of um, women. Obviously, my mom and, and three sisters. I, I definitely think it. It's uh, it shaped me into the man that I am at the moment, which which my my wife's or fiance is happy with most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and is that the reason? Is your is your wife the reason for you being in California now? Because you lived in Monaco for what fifteen, sixteen years. Yeah, um, I moved here in two thousand and sixteen, um, and uh, Brittany's from Roseville, which is North California, and um, yeah, I, I met her and moved over here immediately i mean i always loved california um so you know but she was the main reason for moving here but um yeah we're, we're actually not married we we're supposed to get married in 2019 uh in lake uh, lake como beautiful location and 
uh, Brittany fell pregnant. So uh, we couldn't get married or didn't want to get married at that moment in time. We had Hendrix and then we, we pushed the wedding back to 2020. Pandemic hit, didn't, didn't get married. Pushed it back to 2021. Pandemic is still here. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're not going to be getting married in Italy anymore. Um, but we're, we're most likely going to be getting married here um, at the end of this year. You want to get married before you have another kid, Jensen, because as you can... Uh, we're not having another kid. <laughs> I said that, and you yeah. have three. So, you, you know, you unless you do something to yourself, or let a surgeon do something to yourself... I've already looked into it. <laughs> <laughs> no way! I'm a- yeah, I had an hour-long conversation with uh, the doc, and uh, he explained it all. I was like, "Wow, I really just wish you didn't tell me what you do, because <laughs> um, that does not sound nice." No. Um, so yeah, now I'm, I'm not so sure. Whereas I was really sure, but um, <laughs> my my missus had to have um, two C-sections first because uh, Hendrix was breached, so he's upside down. Okay. Uh, and she's like, "It's the least you can do." I mean, come on, you know, she's been cut open while she's awake. She's got a and, point. Uh, exactly, she has got a point. And all us men out there should listen when it comes to that. <laughs> I, I don't have the pain threshold for it. That's what I'm going to say. I, no. I, I'll take, I'll take I don't think it really hurts. I don't think it really hurts. It's just a couple of little snips and, uh, and that's it. It hurts for a day or so and that's it. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the emotional thing. You know, maybe there's just that knowledge of what you've, what you've done i don't know i'm not sure yeah you go there. could you could you go there would you would you be that guy they don't cut them off though you know that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's and not can, like with dogs and they can reverse it i know <laughs> I, I've, I've two mates that have had it have told me about it and it, so it makes me just i'm frightened i can't believe we're talking vasectomies <laughs> exactly if anyone didn't realize what we're talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not what i was i wasn't expecting this conversation to go down this road <laughs> So, uh, Jensen, what's it like having you? Anyway, so listen, I, I, I've got a couple of ones for you because I've, I've heard some, I think they might be urban myths, but you're brilliantly placed to be able to answer them for me. The first one is, okay. obviously, 2009, you, you win the Formula One World Championship. Huge, huge moment in your life. I mean, it, it must still sort of stand out in your mind as just being this colossal year. Does, do you still have those sort of, the image of those numbers etched in your brain, as it were? Yeah. Yeah, so my, my question is, you, you get the trophy, and then somebody's told me you had to buy it to have, a, to have, your, own, to have your own world championship trophy. Is that right? Yeah. I, um, so I won the world championship in 2009 in Brazil. Um, you don't get the, the world championship trophy uh, until you go to the FIA prize giving, which um, was in Monaco, uh, which is lovely because my mum was there as well. And... Um, uh, oh, and my dad. Um, but uh, you get given this beautiful trophy, which has got all the drivers' names on it that have won the World Championship before you. Uh, and it's the one. So it's the trophy that everyone gets. So when you get beaten the next year, if you do, you hand the trophy back. Um, so I handed the trophy back, and I was like, okay, so when do I get the replica? I'm like, well, you, you don't. What do you mean I don't get the replica? They said, you have to buy it. You have to buy the replica. And this is not like, oh, it's $500, 500 pounds. It's like 35 grand or something. What? 35 grand? To buy a replica. Pounds. Yeah, because of the materials that are used for the original trophy. Um, so I, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to buy my world championship winning trophy when I've actually won it already. Yeah. You go through all that effort and then you have to buy the trophy. 
So you haven't got so, it? Um, I said, I'm not doing it. So I didn't. And then um, my birthday came around, January 2010. And uh, my manager at the time, and still is, Richard Goddard, he ended up buying it for me for my birthday. Um, so that is it there. Look at that trophy there. Wow. It's the world champion trophy. It's a replica, but it's identical. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does, it, does it bother you slightly that it's a replica? No, because nobody's got it apart from Lewis and probably won't have it apart from Lewis for a long time. <laughs> so, um, no, no, it's, it's all good. I know it's meaning. That's the most important thing. Well, you've earned it in more ways than one, haven't you, to be fair? And, it's, and I'm assuming it's not, it's not like a situation where I can phone them up with 35 grand and say, yeah, I'd like a replica too, please. You know, I've got to prove that oh, I no, want no, it. Right? You have to have won the championship, yeah. Yeah, so permission to buy. No, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Still 35K, that's, I mean, it's a fair... Man, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fair chunk of change. Now, you won, obviously, in 2009 with the number 22, and that has, has taken on huge significance for you in your life, hasn't it? That, that, that specific number. Yeah, I mean, I, I won the championship with it, and then I continued with that number in, in, uh, in Formula One, um, when we could actually choose our race number. Uh, and I've used it in everything I've raced. So when I I, I raced in, uh, in an off-road racing, I've, I've used 22. In, in Extreme E, I use 22. Um, when I do triathlons, I use 22. It's always the number that I've chosen. But it's, it's funny because I, I see that number everywhere. And I don't understand why. Um, it's just one of those things. You know, for example, Britney's birthday is, is the 22nd uh, of May. Um, and I, obviously, that isn't why we're dating. But, it's, you know, when I found out a birthday... That's a very, it's a birthday, very like, niche requirement, that one. <laughs> exactly. What's your birthday? I'm like, wow, it's okay. <laughs> So it follows me everywhere, and I see, I just... I mean, I, I'm sure it's just me looking for it, but I see the number everywhere, and it's the weirdest thing. And, uh, and I, you know, my dad passed away in 2014, not to get all gushy on you, but I, 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 I think it's... Him looking down and him, you know, when I see the 22, I think of him immediately. So whatever it is, I think of my dad and that's, that's all I care about. You know, it's a, it's a number that brings back the memories that we spent together racing in, uh, you know, um, in Formula One. He bought me my first go-kart when I was eight and he came to every single race in my career until he passed away. So every time I see 22, the memories of my dad come back which is which is awesome i think that's lovely and and you know as a racing fan myself you know your your dad was a fixture of your team of you you know we we fans felt aligned with him and loved him as well and we for what it's worth and i know many time many years have elapsed now but nonetheless we grieved with you you know he was he was a from what i could tell he was a really great guy yeah he was i mean we all have our flaws and when it when someone's your dad they they annoy you at times was the way isn't it um, but no, he was fantastic and he was never a pushy dad. He was, I was very lucky that he was, he was just a supportive guy. And, you know, I, I really hope I'm, I'm half the man that he was in terms of how he treated me as a kid and how he never pushed me into anything. Um, and I'm definitely not going to be a pushy father when it comes to what, what Hendrix does in the future or what he decides to do. <clears throat> I'm not going to push him into racing cars. If he, if he wants to drive a go-kart, I'm not going to say no. But I'm definitely not going to push him. Uh, that, that's the most important thing for me. But um, with uh, with my dad, yeah, a lot of people say, a lot of drivers and and people in the paddock said that there's two people that that everybody loved in the paddock, 
Um, there wasn't a bad word said about them. And one was my dad and the other was Murray Walker, who, who sadly passed uh, yes. not that long ago. Yes, yes. Wow, what a, what a legacy. Are you a, are you a big fatalistic kind of guy, Jensen? Are you a big believer in kind of fates and, and spirits and all that sort of stuff? Or are you... Are you... <clears throat> Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not religious. Um, my family are not religious. I didn't grow up with religion, but uh, yes, I do believe in in fate. I do believe there's something else out there greater than us. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think about it too often, though. You know, there's too much going on in my life at the moment. But you know, for me, being a father, my life has changed so much. Um, things that you know, never used to touch me emotionally before, really do now that I've got kids. It's it's unreal, isn't it? How you suddenly just change as a person. And they're the most important things in my life. You know, my whole career, I had to be selfish. As a racing driver, you have to be selfish. Everything is, is about being a better driver. Um, now, I'm the least important person in our household. And uh, it, it, it definitely took a bit of adjustment. I'm not going to say it didn't. And... Uh, but now I'm, yeah, I'm so happy where I am. Very lucky to have two healthy kids and uh, and a fantastic fiance. So, um, yeah, my forties have been great. I'm 41 now. I've got two kids, and uh, I couldn't wish for a better position in where I am in, in my life right now. What a lovely thing to say. Did Did you have that moment, Jensen? I I can remember mine distinctly, <clears throat> and it was you know sort of within hours of of becoming a dad for the first time. The the, the emotion that floods you, you know, you've got all this sudden love, this protection, this joy, this, this newfound an emotion you'd never had before for anything else on the planet is there. But the way it surprised me was I found myself crying at an advert for dog food. You know what I mean? I was like, where's this come oh, yeah. from? Did you, have, did you have a similar totally. sort of? Totally. I mean, every time I see a kid, you know, a baby cry at an airport. Before it was like, oh, can you just please stop that kid from crying? <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, oh, I hope the kid's okay. I hope they're all right. Yeah. You know, it's just a complete switch. And, you know, I used to think when I'm in flying and there's a kid in my cabin, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going to get any sleep. Now I'm like, oh, I hope they're okay. I hope they're not crying to flying. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's such a change, and I'm so happy for it. I'm a better person for, for having kids. You know, they teach you so much, and they really do. And, uh, you know, the first time my son reached out for me, because, you know, the first few months, they, they all they want is mum because yeah. they can feed them and, you know, pretty breastfed. So they, they just want to be with the mum the whole time, that connection. And the mum's had the connection for nine months with them before they've given birth. So it's a bit weird the first few months, but then suddenly when he looks at you and he smiles or he reaches out for you, it's like, oh, wow. Like, now, now I'm done. He owns me. Yeah. <laughs> He's there. He knows how to push yeah. the buttons. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, exactly, fantastic. literally. <laughs> yeah, quite. Sorry, pun wasn't <laughs> intended there. But yeah, thanks for the pickup. <laughs> Jensen, you, you alluded to uh, the Formula One season. You mentioned you think Lewis is just going to keep on winning and winning and winning. It would be daft if we don't have a, a few words about this uh, 2021 season because you're, you're on the ground for Sky Sports and you know all the guys in the paddock. Slam dunk for Lewis, no questions. No, totally not this year. And I, that's why I love it. And I think Lewis probably feels the same. You know, we all love competition. And his teammate, you know, at times can be quick in qualifying. But in the race, Lewis is so much quicker at the moment. Um, so Lewis needs someone like Max to challenge him. And I think they're both, you know, if, whoever wins the championship this year um, will look back and think, wow, you know, I had a proper fight on my hands. 
you know, going up against the multiple world champion or going up against Max Verstappen, you know, na- the most naturally gifted driver, I think, ever. Um, I'm not saying he's the best driver for all you people out there that don't think he's the best driver. <laughs> the Lewis Hamilton fan, but I think naturally gifted, yes. And that's, that's not something he's, he's achieved himself. That's something his parents achieved. Uh, he's naturally gifted. I still think that Lewis is the most complete package, of course. But I think those two going at each other is great. You know, watching the races so far this year, one of these, um, obviously, I don't know where this is going out, but it might be after the third race in Portugal. But, um, you know, these guys are, are properly fighting for this championship. And it's lovely to see. It really is. And I think it's what Formula One needed. Yeah. Uh, and then behind them, you have such great teams that are, have progressed, like McLaren. Ferrari have, have made a big step forward this year. You know, McLaren's got obviously Lando Norris. I'm sure will be a future world champion up against Danny Rick, yeah. Ricky Bobby, as I always call him. <laughs> uh, he's a great talent and a great personality. Um, you, as I said, Ferrari's back; they're, they're looking strong. A little Sonoda in um, in AlphaTauri up against Gasly. Great driver. Stole my race number though. <laughs> um, Aston Martin with Seb. You know, Seb's had a tough year, and he had a tough year last year. But hopefully, he'll get a bit more confidence and he'll be competitive. Um, and um, who have I missed? Carlos Sainz. Fernando Alonso, my old mate. Yeah. He's back. And, um, yeah, he you know, I, I think he's found it tougher than he expected, but he'll get there. He'll definitely get there. Um, and then, I'm, you know, I'm a senior advisor for Williams, so i got to give them a shout out. And, uh, you know, I think seeing their progress from last year is very positive because I don't think they really expected it. They had a tough old race in Imola when they should have scored some good points, but. You know, for George to crash with a Mercedes, that's the quickest car out there, one of them's doing something right and the other one's doing something very wrong. What does is, what is senior advisor for Williams actually entail? I mean, do you have to get stuck in? Are you, do you get the old headphones on and, and start making changes or is it handshakes and uh, smiles at the camera? I don't know if it means I'm an experienced advisor or if I'm just old and an advisor. <laughs> I'm not quite sure when they came up with the title. Um, but... Um, no, I, I, I love this stuff's on the phone, you know, talking to the chief engineers, talking to uh, Yost Capito, um, talking to the drivers um, before and after the races, just getting feedback, really, and the feeling of the atmosphere within the team. Um, there's always room for improvement. It doesn't matter how good the team is. There's always room for improvement. And we've been talking a lot about certain areas I can't really mention. But uh, but we've I think we found a, an area where you can we can definitely improve with the team talking in code. Um, but um, no, I am also on the ground at, at some of the races, uh, quite a few of the races this year with, with Williams. Uh, and it's, it's really good. You know, I have so much experience racing in Formula One, racing for good teams, bad teams, great cars, bad cars, many different engineers. So there's, there's always something that I, I can give to the team and, uh, with all the experience that I have. And so far, it's been really good. And, um, you know, even if it's the smallest change uh, that can help them back to the front, um, I'm, I'm definitely there and willing to give it because I, I think it's a great team. So much history, a team that gave me my, my opportunity in Formula One. Yeah. And with the new owners, uh, they have the funding and they have the understanding of what they need to do to get back to fighting at the front. Exciting times. So for you, staying in F1, building up to Le Mans, getting the snip, being a parent, Pretty busy already, triathlons and so on and so forth, living the life of Riley in, in California. And you thought, yeah, okay, I'm still not busy enough. So then there's another string to your bow that just 
is going to be as time-consuming as anyone can imagine, which is you've started up a, a new business with my good buddy Ant Anstead and the car designer, the British car designer, Mark Stubbs, over in LA. You're bringing Radford back. What? What's going on here? Just give me two words about it, because you and I are going to have a proper natter about it with the lads tomorrow on Driven Chat, 7 o'clock on Talk Radio. But give, it, give me the top lines. Well, Radford is all about coach building. So working with OEMs, so manufacturers, uh, and developing something very special. Um, our, our first car is going to be absolutely stunning. Mark Stubbs is a, is a car designer, has worked for many brands over the years, including Bugatti. Um, and he's been let off the leash, really. And uh, he's designed this stunning car, um, which... I absolutely love, and you know, I've, I've, I've many times I've spoken to saying, "Oh, what about if we try this or try this?" Like, no, that's not going to work with this wheel, and that's great. So I've, I've been a little bit involved, but my involvement is more. I uh, of the three of us, I'm the driver, I'm the development driver, um, and the builder, um, kind of designer as well. Um, and Mark is the fully blown car designer, and uh, it's really, really exciting. Um, I can't say much more, but. Yes, listen to the podcast and uh, you'll have all the information you need. But this is something I was, I, I've always wanted to do. It's something that we're all at a point in our lives where we've, we've, we've achieved, we've done, we've, we've, in our own areas, we've done great things. And now we can come together. Uh, we're all in our 40s, early 40s, and working on this prestigious brand, working with OEMs on developing something very, very special for, for the car enthusiasts, very limited number of cars, but uh, all very unique in their, in their own right. Fantastic. And as you say, Jensen, you've mentioned the 40s. You're right to use the word early in there. I'm 43 now. I'm going to keep using early as much as I can. I think I've got another year left and then it becomes middle, doesn't it? Exactly. But seriously, for, for, for people out there, especially men that are worried about being 40, it's a milestone. But trust me, the only thing that's negative is you get a few more eights. But apart from that, my 40s so far have been the best years of my life. Hey, that's a, what a great summary. Fantastic. Jensen Button, spoken like a champ. Thank you for your company. It's been really, really great. I've really appreciated it. Cheers, Andy. Nice one. The Andy J Podcast. Loved it. Loved it, loved it. My huge thanks to Jensen Button. Such great company. As I said at the start, if you'd like to hear more about his uh, new venture with Ant Anstead and Mark Stubbs, then do check out the Driven Chat podcast where Jensen features alongside Ant and Mark and indeed their buddy Roger. They are all there right now on the very latest episode of the Driven Chat podcast. I want to tell you all about next week's celebrity, but no, I'm going to let you hold off. I'm going to keep it as a surprise because I'm really buzzing for it. We've got some amazing names lined up and there's all sorts of things. We might even drop another pod this week. I'm still to be seen. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know on social media and so on. Thank you so much for your company today. Have a brilliant week. Walk tall, be kind, and we'll catch you very soon. If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth, so please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review, and share. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.